Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Derek Gray as he teaches from the Word of God. If you're visiting with us uh, for the first time, uh, this is our Wednesday night Bible study uh, here at River of Life. We are currently going through the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, we started September was a year ago, and we are in the third and final section of that sermon, uh, which of course is chapter 7. The last three weeks, we've been in verses 1 through 6, and we will finish that up uh, tonight, and you can see the title of our lesson is Pigs and Pearls, Pigs and Pearls. Uh, Next week, we're going to start something a little bit new. Um, Years ago, when I taught over in the modules, uh, we would always try to save time for Q&A after the lesson. And uh, we kind of got away from that with YouTube and and that kind of thing, and we're going to try to get back to it. So what we'll do over the next few weeks, we're just going to kind of see how this works out when we're done with the lesson uh, after the YouTube is over. So we don't want anybody to say, well, I'm not getting up. You know, they'll, they'll see me on YouTube. Um, after that's done, we'll open it up for Q&A. That way, if there's anything you didn't understand and you just want to ask a question, you can feel uh, free to do it. If we go a few weeks and nobody says anything, we'll shut her down. Um, but it, I, I'm, keep in mind... Uh, If you've got a question, probably somebody else does as well. So uh, we'll start that next week. We're going to have a little bit of uh, prayer here at the end tonight. Um, So we decided to start it next week, but just just keep that in mind. All right, let's go ahead and begin and read our passage, Matthew 7, 1 through 6. These, of course, are the words of Jesus. He says this, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't even notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log sticking out of your own eye, you hypocrite? First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And we, these are the five verses we studied over the last three weeks. And then Jesus adds this in verse 6, which is what we're really going to be looking at tonight. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and they turn to uh, attack you. Now, as we've said uh, when we first started this passage, and you have to study these verses <clears throat> as a as a cohesive unit. You can't take one verse away from any of the others and understand what Jesus is saying. And what we learned in verse 1, starting with verse 1, and we've, we've reiterated that over the weeks, is that Jesus is teaching us how to do spiritual eye surgery, if you will. And what we mean by that is he's teaching us how to help someone in the body that has sin in their life. And in fact, he wants us to do that. He wants us to help one another, to bear one another's burdens, to encourage one another, admonish one another, all of those things. Um, But there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And what he's doing is teaching us the right way to do it. And what we said last week is there are three things that these verses teach us uh, to do if we're going to uh, minister to someone else, if we're going to help someone else who is caught in sin. The first thing we have to do is we have to prepare ourselves. Um, we, we went over this last week or, or two weeks ago before the storm. And we first thing we got to do is we got to recognize the hypocrisy that is in each and every one of us. There's not a person here who doesn't struggle with being a hypocrite. That's as natural to us as breathing. So you have to recognize that in your own life. You have to get honest about your own sin Um, It's so much easier to see it in somebody else than it is to see it in yourself. Uh, But Jesus is saying, look at yourself first. We need to ask God to search us as, as, as David did in the Psalms. We need to find a Nathan. You remember the story about David and Bathsheba where Nathan came to David and said, you're the man. We need people like that in our life that will point out our own sins, people that we love and trust and know that they want what's best for us. We need, there need to be people in your life that you give permission 
uh, to do that to. And then finally, you got to get the beam out of your eye. You got to deal with it. You got to repent. You got to take care of it, or else all that was for uh, naught. The second thing we do once we've prepared ourselves and we begin to minister to people is we have to be gentle. Uh, it's no accident that Jesus picked the eye <clears throat> as an example. I know of no other really part of the body that you have to be as, as careful around as the eye that's, a, that's as susceptible uh, to being hurt or being injured uh, as the eye. And as careful as we would be in, in helping somebody with a splinter in their eye, we, just, we need to be just as careful when we're helping somebody deal with their sin because we are dealing with their soul. And there is nothing, nothing more precious, nothing more valuable than that. Um, and this is why Paul says, for example, in Galatians 6, 1, Brother, if anyone is called in transgressions or sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So we need to be very, very careful when we're trying to minister to other people and, and dealing with their sin. Now, the third thing that this passage teaches us, and this is what we're going to deal with tonight, is that if we're going to minister to other people, we need to be able to practice discernment. We need to be able to practice discernment. And so uh, before we get to this verse, and, and, and the verse itself won't take very long, but before we get there, I want to make sure that you and I know the difference between judging and discerning. Okay, that's, there's, a, there's some subtle differences here, but I want to make sure that we understand the difference between judging someone and then discerning, okay? So the reason I want to bring these two up, because those are exactly the two things that are contrasted in verse 1 and verse 6. In verse 1, he says, don't judge. So in his mind, there's a, there's a judging means a certain thing that we are not supposed to do. But at the end of the verse, he's actually telling us, look, don't do something. Don't cast what is holy before dogs. Don't cast your pearls before pigs. You've got to be able to discern to figure that out. Are, are you with me? So verse 1 starts by saying don't judge. Verse 6 says I, you, we should be uh, discerning. What's the difference? Okay. Well, let me, let me give you a little picture because I, I, I like pictures because pictures always help me. Um, I want you to picture, for example, a person. So that when I say a person inside that circle, that is everything someone is on the inside. That's their heart. That's their character. That's their motivations. It's everything that makes them who they are, but it's on the inside. It's the things you cannot see. Everybody with me? Now, there's a circle outside of that, which is everything that person produces, they, they, they have certain words they say. They have certain actions that they take. There may be certain situations that they find themselves in. They might have certain opinions. They might have a certain worldview. But everybody with me. So it's all things that they produce. So you got all this stuff on the outside, and then on the inside, you got who that person is. Now, let's look at the difference between judging and discerning. Judging, as we've said multiple times now over these past weeks, means that you are acting as the final interpreter of another person's character. Let me say that again. When you judge someone, you're judging them as a person. You're judging their motivations. You're judging their heart. You're judging what's on the inside of them. So that's, that's what you're judging. You're, you're, you're digging right down, and you're making a judgment on them as a person. That is what Jesus says, do not do that. Do not do that. Why? Because that is the very height and epitome of arrogance. Because when you step in and you start judging a person, their heart, their motivation, their character, you're stepping into the place of God. Only God can do that. Only God can see inside a person and know what's in their heart. Only God can see inside a person and know what their motivations are. Only God can, can do those things. And if you step in and do it, you're basically putting yourself in the place of God. You're doing something that it's impossible for you and I to do. Can we be honest? We don't even know our own heart most of the time. You don't even know your own heart most of the time. How in the world do you think you can know somebody else's? It's just arrogance. This is what Jesus is saying. Do not do that. And here's the other thing about judging that's different from discernment. The motive for judging is always pride or, or self-exaltation. I'm going to judge you because it makes me feel like I'm better than you are. 
right? If I put you down, then it builds me up. I'm, I'm, you, you build yourself up by pushing other people down. That's just pride. It's selfishness. It's self-exaltation. Those are all really, really, really bad motives uh, if you don't know that. This is what Jesus is saying don't do. Don't judge another person uh, for who they are, their character, their heart, the motivation. Now, here's the difference. Discernment never, never is about judging a person. Discernment is all about learning to think like God thinks. That's the difference. Discernment is about you and I learning to think about things the way God thinks about things. So let's go back to that picture. Instead of judging the person, instead of trying to say, well, they got bad character or their motivations are bad or, or they're a bad person. What, no, but what we can do is we can evaluate or test or weigh or discern all the things that they produce. For example, we can look at their words and we can judge those. We can weigh those. We can test those. We can look at the situations that they find themselves in. We can look at their worldview. We can look at their opinions. We can look at their actions. That's fine. But we are not judging the person. Let me give you some examples of this from Scripture. Matthew seven fifteen, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inward they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their what? Their fruits. You'll know them by what they produce, the words they say, their lifestyle, their actions. That's how you'll know a false prophet from a true prophet. Let me give you another one, 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is, weigh their words. You don't look at that one and say, wow, <laughs> he's got to be a true prophet because look how he's dressed. Look at what a communicator he is. Look, look, at, look at all the followers that he has on Instagram. He's got to be a real prophet. No. You weigh what is said. You don't try to look inside him and say, that's a good one, that's a bad one, by how they carry themselves. No. You weigh what is said. You weigh their fruits. Let me give you another one. 1 John 4, 1 through 2. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So here John is saying, test the spirits. And he's not necessarily talking about like this spirit is good or that. He's talking about like a spirit of Antichrist. Everybody with me? Uh, more of a, a general type spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they're from God for many false prophets. Okay, John, that sounds good, but how do I test them? By this you'll know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. You want to get down to it real quick? Just look at that person and say, tell me about Jesus. Tell me who Jesus is. You'll know real quick if they're true or they're false. False teachers will never tell you the truth about Jesus. They'll always, that's why you go out and go, go talk to a Jehovah's Witness. Go talk to a Mormon. They don't worship the Jesus of the Bible. There's always a different message about Jesus. But again, you're not, you're not judging them as a person, but you're judging what they say about, about Jesus. Now, here's the other thing about discernment. Not only are you evaluating or weighing or testing their actions, their words, those kind of things, but the motive and purpose of discernment is 100% opposite from judging. Our motive in discerning is not so that I'll feel better about myself or that I'll somehow make myself look better by putting you down. No, the motive of discernment is to honor God, to serve others, and to serve the church. I mean, one of the reasons we have to discern false prophecy is we, so that we keep deception out of the church, right? That, that, so, so again, it's about the purity of the church. It's about the purity of our lives, and obviously it is to glorify God. Now, listen, most of us, if you look at a lot of scriptures in the, in the New Testament, they talk about being discerning and knowing false prophecy from true prophecy, and that's certainly something we should do. And most of us, I think, are, are pretty much on guard on that. Um, and, and, it's, and let me just tell you, if you know the Bible, it's pretty easy to recognize false teachers pretty quick. But you've got to know the Bible. But there's more to discernment than just recognizing true from false. Okay, let me say it again. There's more to discernment than just recognizing this is true and that is false. Discernment recognizes primary things from secondary things. Pri discernment recognizes or distinguishes essential things from non-essential things. Discernment uh, distinguishes permanent things from temporary things. Are you with me? And oh yeah, Christian, discernment is also sometimes about discerning what's good and what's even better. Or what is better and what's the best. 
See, there's a lot of things in my life that would not be a sin for me to do, but I don't do them because they're not good for me. They're not the best for me. They don't bring honor to God in my life. Are you with me? So it's not always about that sin, that's not sin. That's true, that's false. Sometimes it's saying, yeah, that's good, but this is even better. And I want the better and the best. And we all should. It's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 12. All things are lawful for me. He says, I can do anything, but not all things are helpful. I will not be dominated by anything. Why would we let something into our life, even if it's okay? Why would I let something into my life that could potentially dominate me? That could potentially lead me down a road where I don't love Jesus as much as I did before. I tell you, discernment is, is something that every Christian needs. Now, the question is, how do we practice this? How do, we, how do we learn discernment? How do we become discerning people here in the body of Christ? Well, I'm going to give you two things. Number one, you absolutely have to be born again. You have to. There is no discernment apart from the new birth. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, that no one means what? That means nobody except the Spirit knows how God thinks. That's what he says. No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, watch what Paul says. Now, we've not received the Spirit of the world, but who? The Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. He goes on to say, we have the mind of Christ. So if you're going to be a discerning Christian, if you're going to think like God thinks, then you must, must have the Spirit of God indwelling inside of you. You have to be, uh, that's what Paul said in Romans, uh, being renewed by the Spirit, uh, uh, renewing the Spirit of your mind. That's what the, the, the Spirit is doing in us. He's changing our mind from an old way of thinking to now thinking the way God thinks, the way Christ thinks. That's what's going on, but you have to be a Christian. So, first of all, you cannot learn to think like God apart from the Spirit of God. The second thing is the Word of God is our standard. Okay? If I'm going to come out and weigh your words, I'm going to weigh them on a set of scales. I'm going to test them. I'm going to evaluate what you say. I'm going to evaluate your actions. The Word of God has to be my standard. I want to show you a scripture that I, I've, I've looked at for a long, long time, and I keep coming back to. I used it a few weeks ago, but I only used verses 3 through 5. Let me read it to you again. This is Paul. He says, with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, for I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Now, here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I've looked at my life, and as best I can tell, I can't find anything wrong. I've got all the sin forgiven. I, I've gone to Christ. I'm under the blood. I'm, I'm disciplined in my body. I don't see anything wrong. But Paul says, that doesn't mean I'm scot-free. That doesn't mean I'm acquitted. Why? Because I don't even know my own heart. I, I don't even know my own heart sometimes. So we're going to leave the final judgment up to God. Now watch what he says. Therefore, with that in mind, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. So he's saying God's coming, and when he comes, he's going to know, he's going to disclose it all. He's going to show you what was in your heart. He's going to show you what's in my heart because it'll all be laid bare. Now, what I didn't show you was verse 6. This is what Paul said in verse 6. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond, say it with me, what is written. Listen, when you evaluate, when you test, when you judge, when you inspect fruit, this is what you go by. Do not go beyond what is written. You, there, you may have people in this church, and we got a lot of men that will get up here and preach, and you may like one man because he always wears a suit. You may like another man because he communicates better. You may like another man because he tells better stories. Let me tell you, do not go beyond what is written. This is what you judge by. This is what you discern by. This is what you weigh and test and evaluate by. Do not go beyond what is written. 
So we, this is how you practice discernment, upon, based solely upon the truth of Scripture. Let me give you another one. This is Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. The author says, For though by this time, listen to this, you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracle of God. That's, that's the Word of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. And that word basically means an infant. So Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, is is writing to a group of people, and he's saying, man, you've been saved long enough. You ought to be teaching this word. That's how long you've been saved. You should be able to teach this, but you're not. In fact, he says, people are having to come to you and teach you again the basics over and over and over again. He said, you're like a little baby sucking on a bottle when you should be cutting steak on your plate. We can't give you steak. We can't give you the, the, the real deep truths of God because you're still on the milk of the world. You, word, you have no skill in it. But watch what he says next. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. You see that connection? People who are skilled in the Word of God can discern. People that know the Word of God, are are knowledgeable about the Word of God, have the tools, have the equipment that they need to be able to discern. In fact, as you read Scripture, you'll see this over and over. There is a direct connection in Scripture between knowledge of the Word and the ability to discern. Let me give you a couple of Scriptures. Psalms 119.66 from the Old Testament. And notice how they're they're paired together teach me good discernment and what knowledge for i believe in your commandments or how about paul in philippians 1 9 through 10 this i pray that your love may abound still more and more in the real knowledge and discernment knowledge and discernment you see them paired over and over again so that you may approve the things that are excellent now some of you may ask me well Derek isn't there such a thing as a gift of discernment a spiritual gift absolutely first uh, Corinthians 12 Paul Paul lists this gift he says to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good and he goes and begins to lift the list the gifts of the spirit he lists prophecy and then he says to another the ability to distinguish between spirits So from time to time, God will give to whomever and however and whenever he wants the ability to distinguish spirits. But I want to say two things about that. Number one, when this was written to the early church, there was no New Testament. Right? The New Testament was still being written. Paul was actually writing it in this this letter. So imagine back then you're in a little house church and, and a couple of men come in and they begin to preach. How do you find, how do you know what they're telling you is true? How do you know? All you've got is the Old Testament. You, you can't turn over and say, well, now, wait a minute. Now, in Second Peter, it says you can't do that. So do you see how you would have needed that gift in the early days? You needed somebody in that congregation, somebody in that house that had that gift and say, wait a minute. Whoa, I discerned something's off about this guy. We need to be really careful here. Now, you may say to me, well, Derek, are you saying that gift doesn't exist anymore? No, I'm not saying that at all. God can still give that gift whenever and to whomever he wants. But listen to this. You will never convince me in a hundred years. If you've got a little baby sitting over here on the couch sucking on a bottle, which is the milk of the word, and you've got a man or woman sitting at a table eating the steak of the word, which one do you think he's going to give the gift to? Why would he give that gift to the little baby? That makes no sense at all. You see, our responsibility is to equip ourselves. Our responsibility is to show ourselves approved. Our responsibility is to ready ourselves to be discerning. And if he decides to give us that gift where we need a little extra discernment, then praise God, that's up to him. But that's not what we rely on. That's not what we wait on. We get in the word. We know the word. Four impacts of discernment. And then we're going to get to our verse. Um, First is protection. If you have, if you're able to discern, if you're skilled in the knowledge of this word, man, there is protection. Nobody can pull one over on you. They come at you with, with, with these crazy ideas and these crazy things, and you're like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. It says right here, and you go to the word. So there's protection in that. And by the way, whenever there's protection, there's freedom. 
There's absolute freedom to walk in the Spirit. There's maturity, of course, and then the one that we want to look at tonight is there is ministry. There's something about discernment, and there's a reason Jesus brings it up at the end of this this passage, is that if you're going to minister to other people, if you're going to go to someone and try to get the speck or the splinter out of their eye, you absolutely have to have discernment. And again, this is exactly what we're going to be talking about in verse 6. So let's read our verse. Jesus says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and they turn to attack you. So the first question is about this verse is, what is he talking about? What is holy? What is this, what is this pearl? Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. He's referring to this right here. He's referring to the Word of God. He's referring to the doctrines and the teachings in here that lead us to the kingdom of God. In Matthew 13, 45 to 46, Jesus tells a parable, and he says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. So here he's referencing uh, the, the kingdom is analogous to a pearl of great price. So, so valuable, so precious that this man sells everything. He, nothing's worth that. I'm going to give everything for that. I'm going to grasp that. So the pearl is the kingdom, but what is it that tells us about the kingdom and leads people to the kingdom and, and explains the kingdom and from, from, uh, from the new birth to the new earth? What is it? It's this word, right? It's the gospel. It's the kingdom of, of, of the good news of the kingdom. It's, it's everything that Jesus has been preaching in the Sermon on the Mount. It's everything in Paul's letters. It's all the, the, the doctrines and the teachings of the Bible, from Moses and Jeremiah and Isaiah all the way through to Peter and Paul and James and the Gospels. It's the truth of the Scripture. So that's what's holy. That's what is the pearl. And then Jesus said this, don't give it to dogs. Don't cast it before pigs. By the way, just so you're clear, he's, do you understand he's just saying the same thing twice? It, it's a Hebrew form of poetry. You just, you just repeat it. And you mean the same thing a different... He's not saying something's different. He's just saying... He's saying the same thing two different ways. Don't give dogs what's holy. Don't cast your pearls before pigs. So what are the dogs and the pigs? Who or what is he referring to? Well, here's here's where we have to be a little bit careful uh, because their culture was different from ours. Um, In our culture, we domesticate dogs and pigs. Um, I would... Well, we won't go down that road. (laughs) This is one of those places I, I'll know enough to shut up and stand back. But we, we domesticate our dogs. We make pets out of them. Uh, even, even to some extent, uh, uh, our pigs, we certainly will domesticate them for bacon, but we might even domesticate them for, for pets. But that wasn't the way it was in that day. Uh, first of all, with dogs, dogs very, very rarely in that culture were kept as pets. Maybe by the Romans, but that's something you would never have seen in a Jewish culture. Dogs were scavengers. You remember the, um, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus? And Lazarus sat out by the gate. What does it say? The dogs came and licked his sores. You remember that? Go back to the Old Testament, the story of Ahab and Jezebel. And the prophet said the dogs will eat, Je- eat Jezebel. She'll lie dead in the street and the dogs will eat her. That's what they did. They were scavengers. And people were scared of them. Because if they got hungry enough and, they, and you had food, they literally would, would attack you for it. So that, they were something. They were kind of half wild, uh, if you will. In the same way, you've got to remember pigs were unclean to Jews. The only people that domesticated pigs were Gentiles, and the Jews would have nothing to do with the Gentiles. So the only time that a Jew would really see a pig would be maybe these half-wild pigs that scavenge out and the garbage dumps on the edges of the villages and town. It's just it's not something you would ever keep at home or or not, you, they don't eat pork. So a pig to them would be a scavenger again this kind of a dangerous animal. Now listen. The analogy is clear, right? You, you do understand that a pig has no idea what a pearl is. Are you with me? I mean, how crazy would it be to take a pearl that's, let's say, worth thousands of dollars and you go out to your pig pen and you throw it in there? And I'm going to tell you what he's going to do, right? We all know. What's he going to do? He's going to come over and sniff it. And he's, is that something to eat? 
If it is, he eats it. If it ain't, he just, he just stamps it in the mud, right, and moves on. How crazy would that be? Because they have no understanding of the preciousness or the value, valuableness of what you're giving to them. Now, I want you to remember our context. Remember our context. Jesus wants us to help one another. He, he wants us to help one another get the sin out of our life. He wants me to help you. He wants you to help me. But how am I going to do that? How do I come to you without judging you? How do I come to you and say, hey, man, I, I want to show you something. Can I tell you? I come to you with this. I don't go beyond what's written. Maybe I come to you and I say, man, I, I love you so much, and I, I just I see something in your life, and let's, let's look at what the Bible says about it. Let's see what God thinks about what's going on. You come to him with the word of God. This is what's holy. This is the pearl, this incredibly eternal, valuable there's nothing like this, right? And that's how you minister to people. This is what I bring you. Not my opinion, not what I think, but what God thinks. And what Jesus is saying is there, is there are people out there that when you come to them with this word, they look at it like a pig looks at a pearl. Are you with me? You, you come with this most precious, glorious, valuable thing in the universe able to save their soul, able to change their life and their family's life, and they look at it like a pig looks at a pearl. Like an animal, they don't appreciate its value. Like an animal, you know what an animal is interested in one thing and one thing only, and that's their belly. Can, it, can they eat it? That's really all they care about. What, where's their next meal? What's, what? Listen, did you know that's exactly how Paul describes some people? Philippians 3, for many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with their minds set on earthly things. You come to them with this scripture and, and it doesn't fill their belly. It doesn't fill their lust. It doesn't fill their desires. It doesn't do anything for them. And they look at it like a pig looks at a pearl. Now, I want you to understand something before I go any further. Please don't misunderstand Jesus' words and think, well, is he saying that I should never give the gospel to an unbeliever? Well, of course, that's not what he's saying. Jesus himself preached the gospel to unbelievers. He sent his disciples then out to preach to the cities and towns the good news of the kingdom of God. By the way, in Mark 16, 15, he sends you and I out. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to everybody. So he's not saying, that's not what he's saying at all. What he's saying is this. When you're trying to help people, there are always going to be people who don't want your help. That's all he's saying. Believers and unbelievers. You're out there trying to share the gospel. You're out there with a new believer in Christ and you're trying to help them. And folks, they don't want your help. They don't want to hear anything you got to say. You come to them with truth, and they will reject that truth and reject that truth and reject that truth. They absolutely refuse to listen. And in that case, Jesus says, back off. Do not give what is holy to dogs. Don't cast your pearls before pigs. Now, listen, please understand, he's not judging them and saying they're dogs and pigs. He's saying that's the situation you're in. As crazy as it would be to put a pearl in a pig pen is about how crazy it is for you to keep giving something that's uh, eternal and valuable and true and holy to someone that wants nothing to do with it. So he says you just cease to offer it. Now, by the way, I need to back this up because to some people that almost sounds, well, really? Shouldn't we always take the gospel to people? Shouldn't we always take the truth to people to a certain extent? Scripture itself shows us that there are times when the gospel is withdrawn from unbelievers. Let me give you a few examples. Matthew ten fourteen. do you remember when Jesus sent the disciples out two by two? And he said this, If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your message, shake the dust off your feet as you leave that house or that town. If he had wrote that today, you know what he'd say? He said, If they won't listen to you, wash your hands of it. If they refuse to listen, if they refuse to welcome you, just wash your hands of them. 
Here's another one, Matthew 13, 10 through 13. Disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? Why do you speak to them in, in stories instead of just telling them the truth? And Jesus said this, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they don't see and hearing they don't hear, nor do they understand. By the way, if you back up one chapter, Jesus has just healed a man, and they said he did it by the prince of demons. Remember that? He's sitting there with the power of God, and they say, you got a devil. And from that point on, he starts talking in parables. See, I, I grew up my whole life thinking Jesus spoke in parables to make it easier to understand. No, he didn't. He spoke in parables to make it harder to understand because they wouldn't listen. They refused to recognize the Son of God standing right in front of them. Seeing, they don't see. Hearing, they don't hear. Listen, what I'm about to say right now, it's just my opinion. But I believe there's churches across America that are filled on Sunday morning because they got great music. And their pastor's entertaining. And he can tell some crazy stories. But the Spirit of God is gone. Because they will not listen, and they won't listen, and they won't listen. And I'm telling you, if you refuse to listen to the truth, he will cease to offer it. And they walk in and think, wow, this is great, man. This God is here, and he ain't. They feel good for a few minutes. But lives aren't being changed. The kingdom's not being edified. People aren't being, he's not there. Because he will not keep offering what's holy to people that do not Accept it and will not change. Let me give you one more. Acts 13, 44 to 46. Paul and Barnabas are in the city of Antioch. And on the Sabbath, it says, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. And when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy, began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. But since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we're gone. We'll go, to, we'll go preach to the Gentiles because you will not hear what's right in front of you. So we see this in, in the Bible. It isn't something Jesus just kind of makes up. It's happening all the time. So here's the thing. You and I are to share the gospel with anybody that's willing to hear it. We should always be ready uh, with an answer for those who have questions. For I mean, we should be always doing that. But folks, listen, we have to be discerning enough to know when it's time to move on. You have to be discerning enough. When somebody has just become intransient, they just will not move. Then maybe the time, maybe God needs to do something in their life. Maybe God needs to take them through some hard times and soften their heart. But right now, you're just casting pearls before pigs. They don't want nothing to do with it. So maybe you back away. Maybe you go spend some, maybe you pray for them. But there's a time you have to be discerning in, in being willy, willing to back off. By the way, you see the same thing in Scripture with believers. There are times when people who profess to be believers just will not listen. And in that times, we are to back away. Let me give you one Scripture, Matthew 18. 15 to 17, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, then let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. In other words, an unbeliever. You see that? You go to him, he refuses to listen. You take some people along with you, he refuses to listen. You go before the church, he refuses to listen. He said, let him be as an unbeliever. Back away. You can't cast pearls before pigs. You can't keep casting what is holy before someone that does not want to see the value of what you're doing. Now, I want to uh, close out uh, by a couple of things. What does this mean to us? Um, I want to give you a couple things. The first thing is that you and I really need to be discerning when it comes to the types of people we are ministering to. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 9. This is a well-known scripture from the Apostle Paul. He said this, To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. 
To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Folks, listen, do you understand people are different? Not one size fits all. I know there are people out there that have what I call a pitch, right? They got the gospel pitch. You, you ever, and some of you may, and that's, that's, that's your business. I don't have any necessarily any problem with it. I'm just saying you'll never see that in the Bible. Jesus always discerned the situation. Paul says, I become all things. If it's a Jew, I approach him as a Jew. If it's a Gentile, I approach him as a Gentile. I recognize who they are. I take time to get to know them. I, I discern the situation, and I approach it differently. Some things are appropriate for some people that, that are not appropriate for others, which be, means, by the way, that we may even have to discern what type of truth is appropriate in certain cases. Let me give you an example. In Acts 17, Paul and his, uh, his traveling companions, they come to a city called Thessalonica. And it says, in that city was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from what? From the Scriptures. So he goes to the Jews, who, by the way, the Jews believe the Old Testament is the Word of God. So for three weeks he would go into the synagogue and he'd say, look here, here's what Abraham said. Look, look over here, this is what uh, Moses said. And this is what Isaiah said. This is Isaiah 53. Are you with me? Because they believed it was the Word of God, and he used that to minister to the Jews. Now, just a few weeks later, he gets on a boat, and he goes to Athens, Greece. And in Athens, Greece, he goes up on a place that's still there today. It's called Areopagus or Mars Hill. And there's where all the philosophers would gather to talk about new things. And watch what it says. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus, and he said, Men of Athens, I see that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Now, this is really interesting. You go read it yourself in Acts 17. He never once refers to Scripture. Because they didn't, they didn't believe in the Old they didn't, they didn't. Half of them didn't even know probably what the Jewish Old Testament was. That wasn't the way in. But notice how discerning he was. He, he's walking in. He's seeing all these idols, Venus and, and Zeus and, and uh, Athena. And he sees this altar to the unknown God. And Paul says, oh, oh, got an idea. And he walks up to that man. He said, y'all see that altar to the unknown God? I'm here to tell you who he is. That's awesome, man. And he begins to tell them. Now, he talks about Jesus and he talks about the resurrection. And most of them didn't listen, but a few did. A few wanted to hear more. But do you see how he discerned the situation? He didn't try to come at them the same way he came at the Jews. He didn't try to come at the Jews the same way he came at them. He discerned the situation. The other day I was down at the beach and uh, me and Kathy had taken our grandson. And uh, someone came up to me and started talking to me. And he was an older fella. And, uh, and I'm an older fella. <laughs> So I thought, well, let's talk about older fella things. You know, are you re you know, he started talking to me and telling me about his career and, and that he had just retired and moved here to Walkala County. And so I said, well, you know, our, basically what we began to talk to is what's important in life. After you get to our age and you've done all the things, you begin to see the finish line. Are you ready for the finish line? Because that was, you know, that's, he, he got that, right? Because he's, he's staring at it. He knows the finish line is a lot closer than when he started. You, you discern the situation and you find a way to talk to somebody. Maybe you're a mom and you see, and, you're, and she's a mom, or you're a dad and he's a dad. There, there's different ways we can come at people, but we need to be discerning. We need to be open to the Spirit. And of course, we need to have the knowledge of this word to use. Here, I'm going to give you another one. I think, let me give you an example. I think this one is so important. Now, listen to me very closely. Somebody was telling me this the other day and just confirming this. Is the person you're talking to an unbeliever or a believer? Do you know how important that is? Listen, in the case of an unbeliever, folks, listen to me. There is one message they need to hear, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only message you need to talk about. Now, listen to me. They're going to want to talk about everything else. 
They're going to want to talk about predestination. They're going to want to talk about how could God allow all this suffering. They're going to want to talk about translations of the Bible. They're going to want to talk about talking donkeys. They're going to want to talk about everything in the world. Folks, listen to me. Do not let them. Don't let them do that. You know why? Because they're dead. They are spiritually dead. And all those things, you're just casting pearls in front of pigs. You're just casting pearls. In front. Why would you do that? There's only one thing that can make them alive. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Give them the gospel. You can say, you know, that's all interesting, but let's come back to your sin. We're, we're, get it back on script. Get back to what they need to talk about. That's, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. So you need to understand, are you talking to a believer or an unbeliever? One of the best examples of this is Jesus. Go back to John chapter 4 and read the story of the woman at the well. Y'all remember the story? Jesus goes to the well and the woman comes up and he says, give me a drink. And she said, well, who, how are you a, 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 a Jew, a man, talking to me, a woman from Samaria? And she goes on and she wants to talk about our father Jacob. She wants to talk about, you know, your people say you're supposed to worship on this mountain, and my people say we're supposed to worship on this mountain. She wants to talk about all this stuff. And Jesus said, go call your husband. Go call your husband. See, it's your sin. Let's talk about your sin. Let's talk about your sin, because that's the issue. They don't want to talk about everything in the world. Let's talk about your sin. How are you going to deal with that at Judgment Day? How are you going to deal with that when you stand before God? You see, you've got to get it back to that if they're an unbeliever. Don't let it go anywhere else because you're just, you're wasting your time. They need to be made alive, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that will do that. Let me give you one more discerning thing. We need to discern sometimes if people are babies or they're mature. Just because somebody walks down an aisle and gets saved on a Sunday, next week they're still a baby. You understand that? They might still say some things they probably shouldn't be saying and do some things they probably... Let's have a little mercy, right? Let's, let's give people some time to grow and to mature. You've got to figure that out. You, you approach them differently um, uh, depending on it. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. He says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for it. And even now you're not ready because you're still of the flesh. So here he is trying to minister to Christians, trying to do what Jesus said, get the speck out of their eye, and he discerns something. He says, you're not ready for these truths over here. i got to get back to the basics with you because you're still obey. By the way, this is really interesting. Do you know how Paul discerned that? Watch what he says in the next verse. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? See, he looked at them. He didn't judge them as people, but he looked at their actions, and they were fighting amongst one another. They were jealous amongst one another. One person was, was aligning with one leader. Other people were aligning with the other leader. And he looked at all that, and he said, You know what? You don't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't understand what this Christian life is all about. You're still babies. And so he has to minister to them as children and not as adults. And we need to make that effort to discern as well. Are they a believer? Or are they an unbeliever? Are they a babe in Christ? Are they mature? Try to figure those things out because that all is going to have some effect on how you minister to other people. I'll say this and then I'll close. We are to distribute the truth of God far and wide. We do it in our home. We do it at the grocery store. We do it at our work. We do it at our school. Anybody that'll listen, especially to unbelievers, we, we need them. Anybody that wants to be saved, anybody that's willing to listen, believers that need our help, we are to be, I mean, we are to be ready and able. We are to be qualified as spiritual surgeons. So we're to share the truth. But if it becomes apparent that that person is not welcoming the truth, if it becomes, a, they're just intransient, they refuse to listen, then we are to move on. Remember this, we're responsible to share the truth. We're not responsible for how people respond to the truth. 
We sow, we water. It's God that gives the increase, not us. So if they just refuse, then you can feel free to, to move on. Um, it's sometimes hard, especially when that person is a family member. And, and you want them to be saved so much. But let me tell you, you just keep casting that pearl in front of that pig, and he'll just keep stamping on it. And after a while, if you're not careful, they can turn on you. They'll begin to hate you. They'll begin to revile you. They'll begin not to want to have anything to do with you. So the discerning thing sometimes is to back off for a little while and wait. Pray and wait. Let God do something. Sometimes people have got to go through some hard times before their heart is soft enough to hear the gospel. And we have to be discerning uh, to do that. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word as we always do. God, I pray that, uh, first of all, as, as we've prayed the last few weeks, give us a heart to be servants. Give us a heart to be spiritual surgeons. Give us a a heart to want to help those around us, not out of judgment, not out of somehow making us feel better, but as a way just to serve you and to serve your church and to glorify your name. So help us, God, to have a heart like that. But also, Father, give us a discerning heart, a discerning spirit. Help us, Lord. I commend everyone here tonight for coming in on a Wednesday night and listening to your word, increasing their knowledge of the word. God, I ask you to bless that. I ask you to bless that in their lives. Take them this week as they go out and put them in situations where they can use that word to discern and minister. And God, I pray for testimonies that will come back of, of the great and mighty things that you have done in their lives. We give you that praise for everything that you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.